Shalom Aleichem, peace to you. I feel very heavy tonight. I just feel that uh, what God is, uh, is showing me, what is happening in the earth, I'm speaking especially now to God's beloved elect, is so weighty and so heavy. I want to encourage you to really listen today and watch with a sober spirit. I want to awaken you today to the seriousness of the time in which we find ourselves standing. I want to begin by sharing something with you that happened to me about over 37 years ago that marked my life so completely that I was never the same after it happened. A few of you have, met, have heard me share it before on other platforms. Let me say before I share it, if what happened to you, I mean, I'm sorry, if what happened to me happened to you, you'd be saying the same exact thing that I'm saying right now. What happened to me a little over 37 years ago, it was beyond anything that the human mind could have ever fabricated. It wasn't a thought. It wasn't a, me a mental picture. It was a power encounter with the Ruach Elohim, the living spirit of God. What was happening was this. I, was, uh, I came to faith, many of you know, supernaturally in 1978 as a Jewish person, knowing nothing about Jesus. Jesus was as far away from me as the man on the moon. Jesus appeared to me in a vision in 1978. That's how I came to faith. Many of you know my story. Three years after that, in 1981, I was going through a deep season of repentance. And during this deep season of repentance, I found myself sitting in a chair one morning and I was drinking a cup of tea because the tea were replacing the cigarettes, which is one of the things that I was giving up and getting away from during this season of repentance. So the tea was calming me down without the cigarettes. I'm drinking the tea. I'm not expecting anything to happen. I'm just sitting there and suddenly, sovereignly, this was an act of God. I could not have helped this experience along, neither could I have stopped it from happening. Suddenly, the living spirit of God himself manifested above my head. The Ruach Elohim, the spirit of God, came above my head. He came down upon me, he was just suddenly there. And he manifested himself as a, a spirit of life. It was just spiritual life twirling all around my head. Again, it wasn't a thought. It wasn't a figment of my imagination. It was a power encounter with the Spirit of God. And what's interesting is I saw the Spirit of the Lord above my head as clearly as I'm seeing anything with my natural eyes, and yet I wasn't seeing him with my natural eyes, although it seemed like I was seeing him with my natural eyes because it was that clear. So just like in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God manifested above those 120 in the upper room as a flame of fire, and it was a literal reality, it wasn't a thought or an I mean the pow, the Spirit of God came, tongue of fire on each one of them. They began to speak in other tongues, same type of experience. He manifested above my head, living color, just twirling, twirling, twirling. Then he came through my head. I literally felt him come through my head. I experienced the process of him appearing up here and then coming through my brain. I experienced it happening, and I couldn't have helped it along. Neither could I have stopped it. It was just that powerful. Then he came through my head, and he took possession of my inner man, and he said to me, I am a servant. Now the reason, beloved one, that I open with that uh, story of my past today is because the Spirit of the Lord manifested himself above my head in that encounter in all the colors of a rainbow. Sometime after that, not too long after that, it was 1982, it was about a year later, right before I got married, I'm going to share very briefly now, I had a vision of the night where to condense the story, if you're interested in reading the whole story, get my book called Called to Breakthrough, which is my autobiography. But right before I got married, I had a vision of the night. It was in three parts. In this vision of the night, I found myself in an attic. It looked like an attic. I can't say for sure it was an attic. It's just the best way I know how to describe the type of room that I was in. It was a dark room. It seemed like I was in like the attic of a house. And there was a window on, uh, on this side and a window on my left side. And that was it. Everything else was just dark. And myself and others were standing against a back wall. I don't know how many other people were against this back wall with me. I just knew and sensed that others were there in this dark attic. And then through the window on my right streamed into the room 
the same spirit of life that manifested above my head in the encounter that I just described to you. This time he flowed in the room like a living river. It was a living river of beautiful color and life, all the color of a rainbow. I've described it before by saying if you can imagine cray paper strung across a room at a birthday party, imagine if that cray paper was like, you know, a foot and a half, foot high, you know, three-dimensional living. That's what it was, a spirit of living color flowed into the room like a river from the window on this side. And as soon as this happened, remember I was against the back wall, I immediately was drawn, I mean just instantly, towards the spirit of life. I mean I loved it, so beautiful. So I came from the back wall, approached the spirit of life, this river of color, and I came to this river of color and, then I, and I followed it to the window that it had come into the room from. And I stuck my head out the window, and when I stuck my head out the window, everywhere was color. It was just all I saw was color. It was everywhere. I didn't see anything else but color. And involuntarily, it was just my natural reaction in the vision of the night, I opened up my hands like this, and I said, come and live inside me. And as soon as I said that, bam, I heard the word eternity. It felt like it was in the deepest part of my stomach. And then the dream shifted. And when the dream shifted, I found myself looking out the window on the opposite side of the room. And by the way, I should mention that none of the other people that were against that back wall, when the river of color came into the room, none of them came forward like I did. And I sense vaguely that it was fear that was holding them back. Now back to the story moving forward. So I, the dream has shifted. It's in the second phase of the dream. I'm looking out the other window. And the other window looked like, if you remember that movie, The Wizard of Oz, and remember the hurricane or the tornado came in Kansas and there was all that chaos just passing the window. Remember the witch and the hay and the house and the toto and you know all that was just chaos stirred up by the hurricane was moving across the window. Then bam the dream shifted for the final time, the third and last time and in this next part of the dream I'm walking down the street and I'm just at peace. It's not like I'm feeling fantastic peace. I'm just at peace, like nothing's on my mind. And I'm walking down a street, and I come to an intersection where there had been a car wreck. And I went up to the car wreck, and there was an African man, and he was laying outside of the back passenger door. He, he, the, the door had been flung open the, in the accident, and half of his body, like from his shoulder to his torso, was on the street. He was all still connected in one piece but the, from his waist uh, downward was still in the car, so it was still in one piece and his waist uh, downward was inside the car but his torso was laying outside that car door that had been flung open and was laying on the pavement. And when I came up to him and looked at him, he had burns on his body, burns all over his body. And I stuck my hand out. There was no ego involved. There was no pressure involved. It was totally natural. I just stuck my hand out towards him and, 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 I, and I pointed my fingers towards the burn on his body that he had received from the wreck. And when I stuck my hand out with my fingers towards his body, the colors that I had asked to come and live inside me in the first part of the dream, when I heard the word eternity, remember? The colors that I had received then came out of my fingertips onto the African man's body and healed him of his burns. Now you should know that since that time I have by the grace of God traveled to Africa probably close to 25 to 30 times ministering to up to 50,000 to 100,000 African people on the ground at the same time we're seeing people healed, delivered. We literally saw a blind woman totally healed and we verified the story by going back a year later and talking to all the people that knew her, talking to her daughter, talking to the business people in the town, and she looked like a completely different person. So that spirit of life that I received that then flowed out of my fingertips and healed the African of his burns, we're literally seeing it manifest now. I feel like I have a special ministry to African people, both in Africa as well as in the United States. But I'm telling you this story to help you understand that when you uh, 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 hear me talking about the movement that we've launched here at Discovering the Jewish Jesus called TakingTheRainbowBack.com. 
I'm not doing this just because I want to fight for some cause. I mean, I am filled with um, um, a holy uh, 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 righteousness against the LGBTQ agenda and ideology that's sweeping over our culture. But it's even more than that to me. It's because I have been personally connected to the glory of God as manifested in the rainbow, even that appears around his throne today, according to Revelation 4.3. I've been personally connected to God, revealing his glory and his beauty through the rainbow from my earliest walk with him over 40 years ago. It means a great deal to me. Now, many of us have just released the rainbow to become the intellectual property of the LGBTQ community, but I'm encouraging you as God's child to fight to take it back, to reclaim it, to begin to wear rainbow-colored apparel like you can get on our website, takingtherainbowback.com, to begin to take a stance that the rainbow is actually a symbol of God's glory. You know, when Ezekiel saw the Lord, in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 28, he said he saw God appearing as a man, and he said there was fire in him that went up and down, and around him was the radiance of a rainbow. So I want to talk to you today about, with this information, what should we do? Well, first of all, I can tell you this. Don't let fear and Satan shut you up. Go to your Bible, read the ninth chapter of the book of Bereshit, which is the Hebrew word for Genesis, beginnings, where the Lord put the rainbow on the sky as an everlasting covenant, the sign of the everlasting covenant that he made with mankind. Go to your Bible, read Ezekiel 128, read Revelation 4.3, and receive the fact that the rainbow is about God's glory, not a lifestyle of sexual immorality. Okay? We cannot let this beautiful symbol that... Listen... In heaven, God's throne is going to be surrounded by a rainbow. So how can you and I, as God's children, not fight to claim it as a symbol of God's glory? We can't, like, back away from wearing rainbow-colored apparel. We can't back away from talking about it. We can't cower in a corner because the LGBTQ spirit is so strong upon the culture. We've got to stand up and fight and take it back. And, beloved, when we wear our rainbow-colored apparel out in public and give out tracts that we've prepared, what's the rainbow really about? When we're out in public taking a stand for God's beauty and God's glory, let me tell you something. God is going to use your efforts to create a portal of light so that people that are in the darkness, that are feeling oppressed, that know they're confused, that know they're lost, they haven't found hope in their lifestyle, but now they're so desperate that they're open. When they see you out there loving people, this is not a movement about hate, beloved. This is about love. God is love. This is, a, this is a love initiative. But we as God's people have to be bold. We have to speak up and speak out. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples, teaching them all that I have commanded you. If you're really a child of God, you should be out and proud about being God's child. You should be proud to stand for the truths of the kingdom. Listen, if the LGBTQ community is proud of their rainbow flag, how can you and I cower from using the rainbow as a sign of God's beauty and God's glory. How can we let that happen? And for those of you that have let it happen, you've been pushed into a closet, you've been silenced, you've been shamed, and now you're just quiet and silenced. Shame. Listen, we cannot allow that to happen. I'm encouraging you to be bold under the power of the Holy Spirit. Sure, you're going to be misunderstood by some people. But you know what? No matter what you say, if you say something, someone's going to dislike you. If you're a leader, it doesn't matter what you say, someone's going to dislike what you say. You cannot allow the devil to intimidate you. If you allow the devil to intimidate you, my friend, you will lose the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I just want you to think about what's happened. I'm trying to create some fire in you. First of all, let's think about how this whole thing happened. And let me stress again, I'm not talking about individual human beings. I'm talking about the spirits that are behind the ideology and the agenda. Let's first think about what happened. First, it came out of the closet, right? First, this whole thing that was hiding, you know, because, because the demons hide in darkness, right? They run when the light's exposed. So first, this thing was hiding in the closet. 
And then it got emboldened as society began to shrink back from God's Word. The, 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 the spirit that was in the closet came out of the closet. And when the spirit came out of the closet, it demanded rights. It demanded the right to be heard. It demanded the right for men to marry men and women to marry women. And then after the spirit, through the ideology that it pushed forward, then it went from beyond just demanding rights. Then what happened next is this spirit, through this LGBTQ ideology, my friend, it took away your rights. Now you can't speak truth. I recently read an article about somebody in a Washington uh, school district and uh, there was LGBTQ flags all over the school, transgender uh, propaganda all over the school. A kid was 12 years old, in his school, 12 years old. So this kid was a Christian, so he wore a t-shirt to school that said, there are only two genders. You know what happened? Almost instantly, somebody came from the office, took him out of the classroom, they brought him to the principal's office and told him he couldn't go back into his classroom to, until he took his shirt off and changed shirts. Think about it. First it was in the closet, then it came out of the closet, then it demanded rights, then it took away our rights. Now you can't even speak the truth. You can't even say, I believe that there is male and female, and that's the way God created mankind, which of course is the opposite of the LGBTQ agenda and the pride flag, which teaches a spectrum of the expression of sexuality that no we're not binary I think I'm saying that right that um, you can you don't have to be a fully male fully female you can be anything in between and we include and we embrace everything and everybody but when this kid in 12 seventh grade came out and said there's only two sexes he was hauled out of the classroom the spirit then took away your rights and get this you know what happened last my friend I hope this fires you up I hope this makes you a little bit indignant not at people this is a love initiative but to stand up for the truth you know what happened next that spirit put you in the closet now you're hiding in the closet now you're afraid to speak out it began with this that spirit was in the closet it didn't want to show itself now Christian people don't want to show themselves now they're in the closet now they don't want to speak up now they won't put any post on Facebook they won't put anything on Instagram they won't put anything on Tic Tac as it regards to biblical definitions of sexuality and of appropriate boundaries I want to ask you today are you gonna stand up and be a bold child of God as we've been called to be or are you gonna let Satan intimidate you and make you counter, I'm sorry, make you a coward. We have a choice to make. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You do have a choice to make. And I hope that this message today shakes you up to come out of complacency, to break off the spirit of intimidation, and to begin to speak out and speak loud for God. You might ask yourself, Rabbi, can this initiative really change anything? I mean, look, this thing is so in our culture right now, the spirit of wokeism, the spirit of transgenderism, it's all over the White House. Did you know that this past weekend, uh, uh, President Biden in the White House there, they hung a big revise, it's the new K gay pride banner. They hung it up at the White House. Can you imagine that? People are asking, Rabbi, what are you doing with this take the rainbow, taking the rainbow back initiative? You're not going to change anything. What are you doing? You know, look how big this thing is. You don't have a chance against it. Beloved, we might be a David against a Goliath, but let me tell you something. If you have a piece of corn and you want to you change the flavor of that corn, what do you do? You put a little salt on it. If you're eating a bowl of soup and you want to change and enhance the flavor of that soup, you want to change the way it tastes, what do you do? You sprinkle a little salt on it. You don't throw a big two-pound chunk of salt in it. You don't take big quarter uh, pound clumps of salt and put it on your corn on the cup. You just sprinkle a little bit on. And that little sprinkling makes all the difference in the world. Beloved, if enough of us, if enough of God's people will say to the Lord, Lord, I love you. I will not let the enemy make me cower. I will not be timid. I will speak up and speak loud. Some of you are saying, well, you know what, Rabbi, that's just a distraction. We just need to let G people know that Jesus loves them. And that's true, we do need to let people know Jesus loves them. But let me tell you this, my friend. Before Jesus came, John the Baptist came. People needed a rude awakening 
I'm sorry, a, a, a rude awakening before they had the great awakening. Before Jesus came, John the Baptist, the wild man came, confronting people for their sin, saying, repent. And then Jesus came, and the love of God was revealed. People don't come to embrace Jesus without first oftentimes being convicted of sin. Can you make a difference? You absolutely can make a difference, but you're not going to make a difference in your closet. You're not going to be making a difference by keeping your lips taped together. You're going to make a difference when you speak up and take a stand. You might say, well, Rabbi, that's just going to get in the way. People just need to know God loves them. People do need to know God loves them. We're all about letting people know God loves them. But let me ask you this question. If you went to your doctor and uh, he examined you and he found in your body, let's say, a, a cancer cell, but he didn't want to make you feel bad, so he didn't tell you about it, would that be loving you? Well, we're doing the same thing if we believe the Bible is really true and that those that don't know Jesus are going to hell. He said, straight and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it, and broad and wide is the way to destruction, and many there be that take it. If we really believe that's true, are we really loving people that are living a lifestyle that's in rebellion to God? Are we really loving them by not telling them about the, their problem and their sickness and calling them to repent? No, that's not loving, my friend. That's just being a coward. And you might say to yourself, well, you know what? We're just going to stick to preaching the gospel. You know, the gospel is just about telling people that Jesus loves them. God so, but listen, when you read the New Testament, Paul talks on all types of issues. He talks about sexual relations. He talks about how to relate to your employer. He talks about relations between parents and children. He talks about submitting to our employers. He talks about governments and police. Listen, the kingdom of God touches every aspect of life. If we're going to truly be representatives of the kingdom, we need to be involved and be salt in every aspect of life. And let me share with you, if I could, what I'm talking about right now it's bigger than just the LGBTQ agenda. It's bigger even than the revolution of wokeism or the wokeism revolution, which, by the way, is very similar to the revolution that took place in China, in China years ago, with their cultural revolution. And their strategy was to tear down everything in order to rebuild. And we know what the fruit of that was. No. Beloved, this is bigger than just wokeism. What this is about is Satan preparing the stratosphere of the earth for his manifestation. You see, Satan is going to arise in a world that's been duped and deceived into buying a lie. And that's what's going on right now. This is all in preparation for the Antichrist to emerge. The Bible tells us that before the Antichrist is revealed, that uh, the Holy Spirit, this is in the book of Thessalonians, the Holy Spirit that's been restraining the darkness is going to lift. And as the Holy Spirit stops restraining, the darkness is going to gain influence over the world. That's what's happening right now. And why is the Holy Spirit's influence going to begin to lift? It's going to begin to lift, my beloved friends, because he is preparing the way, God is preparing the way for the rise of the Antichrist, which in turn prepares the way for Jesus' return. You know, when his disciples, when Jesus' disciples asked him in Matthew 24 about when he was going to return and what would be the sign of his coming, the first thing that Jesus spoke of in relationship to the end days, the very last days, the end of time that immediately preceded his return, the first thing that Yeshua spoke of was deception. He said, see to it that no one misleads you. And I want to share with you, if you back down on this, if you back down on this, you're going to be duped into the next lie that Satan is going to be bringing. The title of this broadcast is, God Showed Me What Satan's Going to Do Next. Let me share with you what I believe the Lord showed me about what Satan's next strategy is. We've already seen what's going on right now. If you stand, if you stand up for God's uh, 
perspective on biblical morality, on, 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 on gender issues, on, uh, on, on sexuality issues. If you take a stand biblically on this right now, you're being labeled as a hater, as a bigot, as transphobic, as homophobic, right? You're being canceled, you're being shut out. And if you back down here, because there is a price to pay, the Bible says, all that desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall be persecuted. It's a great honor to be a martyr for Jesus. Let me tell you, that's the attitude that you and I need to have. It's a great honor to be a martyr for Jesus. Because we've been chosen not just to reign with Him, but to suffer with Him. So get ready to take a few punches for standing for the truth. You can't avoid it. You've got to get ready for that. And when you get hit in the face, you know what? Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is exceedingly great. Yeshua said, rejoice when men persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake. Your reward in heaven is great, and the spirit of glory rests on you. So you, yeah, you should get ready to take a few hits, and when they come, you should rejoice and be happy about it. But if you back down here, you're going to back down at the next thing that Satan's going to do. And here's what I believe the Lord showed me, beloved one, that he's going to do next. There are scriptures in the Old Testament that uh, many people... Uh, find disturbing, and they, and, they, and, they, and they gloss over because they don't know how to deal with them. I'm going to go through with you now a few scriptures in the Hebrew Bible that are difficult to reconcile with a loving and, a, uh, uh, with a loving and compassionate and merciful God. I'm going to the Torah now, which is the foundation of all scripture. We're going to put these scriptures up for you. I'm going to begin by reading Deuteronomy, Devarim in Hebrew, chapter 20, verses 16 through 18. This is very serious. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Because this is where Satan, my friends, and you probably heard it tonight first. This is where he's going to strike next. The Lord is telling his people, Israel, only in the cities of these peoples that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance now listen, this is Israel going into the territory that God is giving them. They're driving out the enemies. So Israel's taking possession of the promised land, but in order to do that, they need to drive out the heathen that had occupied those lands. So once again, only the cities of these peoples that the Lord your God is giving you as inheritance, you shall not leave alive anything that breathes. Now this is God's word. You've got to face it. We don't like to think about this, but either the Bible's true, and the Torah's true, and the Old Testament's true, or it's not. As for me and my house, I'm serving the Lord. I believe it's true. Let's go to the next verse, verse 17. The Lord continues, but you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittite, and the Amorite, and the Canaanite, and the Perizzite, and I could go on with the other ites, as the Lord your God has commanded you so that they might not teach you to do according to all their detestable things which they have done for their gods so that you would not sin against the Lord your God and so what did God tell them to do he told them to destroy them completely listen again you shall not leave alive anything that breathes but you shall utterly destroy them let me give you another example in the prophet, uh, with the prophet Samuel, 1 Samuel 15.3. The Lord's telling Israel, Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has, and do not spare him. But put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Now the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, is a, it's just a shadow. It's a shadow of spiritual reality. Of course, God isn't calling anybody to kill anybody today. Jesus told us to turn the other cheek. When Peter cut off one of those that came to arrest Jesus, and Peter took his sword and cut off the, the man's ear, what did Jesus do? He told, he told Peter to put his sword back in the sheath, and then Jesus reached out and healed the man's ear. So this is not about violence. We reject violence. That's not the way of Jesus at all. We would rather be killed than use violence. But this is about a spiritual reality that God is ruthless against disobedience and sin. And in the Hebrew Bible, before mankind was given God's spirit as a possession, God manifested his ruthlessness 
and his fierce hatred towards sin by having Israel destroy the enemies in the lands in which they were going so that the sin that was there would not infect them. They were God's precious possession. I'm going to get to the point in just a second. I want to give you one more scripture. This is from the book of Esther, chapter 9, verse 5, where the, uh, the, the king of what is today Persia, uh, the, well, it's not actually today Persia, but it was Persia in biblical times. He was going to exterminate all the Jewish people. And uh, God foiled that plan completely. And then it says, when God foiled the plan, in Esther 9, 5, we read this. Thus the Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying, and they did what they pleased to do, to do. They did what they pleased to do with those who hated them. So the Jews now turn on their enemies and they kill those and do, did what they pleased to do with those that hated them. What's Satan's next attack? He's going to begin to highlight verses in the Bible, like the one's beloved one, that I just showed you tonight. And he's going to begin to say, the Bible needs to be torn out of society. And anybody that believes the Bible needs to be rejected. They need to be hated because they're the scum of the earth, because the Bible is about a reckless God who isn't even God at all, they're going to say, through the inspiration of Satan. And pretty soon what's going to happen? If you don't stand up now, you're going to be afraid to say that you believe in the Bible. You're going to be afraid to say that you believe in Jesus. Are you going to let Satan do that to you? By the grace of God, I have no intention of letting Satan do that to me. The question, if we look at it through another lens, not through Satan's lens, but through God's lens, the question is not, if God is so loving, how could a loving God command Israel to go destroy the enemies in the lands that they were living in? And how could the Jews go and destroy God's chosen people? How could they go and destroy those that were in Persia that were going to kill them? The question isn't, how could a loving God command this or bless this? The question rather is, how could a holy God have been so loving and so merciful to a people that have been so debased and defiled and abominable, abominable to him for so long? The Bible says God is long-suffering and patient, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance and to a knowledge of the truth. You see, flip the question. It's not how could a loving God do that? The real question should be, beloved, how could a loving and holy God, he's holy, 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 could have allowed man to continue in such debasement and violence and sin and perversion for so long without striking them dead? That's the real question. My friends, my point tonight is to inspire you to stand up to stand up. What's going on? What's going on? It's absolute madness and absolute lunacy. It's lunacy. It's total lunacy. It's, so, it's such a powerful delusion. God said in the book of Thessalonians that when people don't receive a love of the truth, what happens is they receive a powerful deluding influence so that those that would not believe the truth would be judged. We should come to a place that we're outraged with what is going on. Think about Jesus when he went into the temple. What did he do? He was outraged by what was going on there. He drove out the money changers with the whip. Just yesterday, my wife took my little grandchildren. One is not even two years old yet. He's just about two. And my other is about four. My wife took them, listen to this, to Chuck E. Cheese. Can you imagine Chuck E. Cheese, the pizza restaurant for kids? When they walked in the door, there was a table set up. You couldn't walk past the table. You had to go to the table to get registered. So that if you brought a child in, you got a badge or an armband. The child got an armband so that when you left, they made sure that you were leaving with the same armband that the children had that you were taking out. So no one could go past the registration table. Who was at the registration table putting on the armbands a Chuck E. Cheese? A drag queen. 
My two-year-old grandson kept looking and staring. He was so confused. He didn't know what was going on. My, my wife was a little like, she had to like pull him because he just couldn't stop looking. It messes people, kids' minds up. Let me tell you, Satan is going after your kids. That's why you need to stand up. That's why you need to speak out. And your kids and grandchildren need to see you stand up and speak out. Satan's going after your kids the same way Hitler went after the kids of his generation by forming what is known as the Hitler Youth Organization, where he indoctrinated millions of kids. I don't know what the exact number is, but it became a powerful force to push forward his agenda. Satan's agenda was to take away the conscience of children to sear their conscience, to do his will. And that's what Satan is doing right now. He is trying to defile the most precious among us, our children. The Bible tells us that Satan roams the earth looking to and fro for someone to devour. And who is he looking to devour? The weak ones. And who are the most vulnerable at all? Little children that have not yet developed their mind to be able to choose this or choose that. They just have to take in what's coming at them through the adult authority figures. He's going after our children. I know that there are good school districts out there. My son-in-law works for a good Christian. It's not Christian. I shouldn't. It's almost like Christian. He works for a good conservative school system where most of the people have integrity. There are some good salt school systems out there still in some pockets of the country, but there's a lot that are defiled. And you know what? For some of you that are watching right now, I'm encouraging you to pray. If your child is in a school system that's promoting transgenderism, wokeism, and LGBTQ ideology, I'm encouraging you to pray whether you want to leave your child in that school district or figure out another way. Whether it's, I know it's a difficult question because some of you don't have the financial means to do that. I don't know the answer. I'm just telling you how dangerous many school systems are right now and they're indoctrinating, and I know that I'm singing to the choir now, they're indoctrinating our children. What's, we got to stand up. I mean, it used to be, my friends, that women were treated with respect and honor when men opened the door for them. It was, a, it was an honoring. Now men don't open the door for women. Instead, men go in the door of the women's restroom dressed as women. It's lunacy and craziness. Men competing as females, biological men competing as females in women's sports. Target hiring a, a designer that identifies with Satan, making, uh, making a statement something like Satan loves pronouns. You know, speaking of the the, them, you know, all the neuter, neutral uh, pronouns that, you know, you can use. You can use if you're a man, you can use a woman's pronoun and all this stuff going on. This uh, artist that Target hired, you know, wearing satanic garb put a big display, most of you I'm sure are aware by now, in Target. Of, uh, I couldn't believe it when I saw the Trans Pride uh, t-shirts in Target when I walked in there. But here's a good note. Target has pulled back a lot of that merchandise, that transgender merchandise, because enough people protested. That should give you courage that if enough of us speak out, we can make a difference. We can make a difference. And enough of us are sick and tired of it. That's why Bud lost millions and billions, billions of dollars because of their pushing of the transgender agenda. And why are corporations doing this? A lot of it is because there's a rating, and it, the rating system, which was founded by a human rights organization, is about um, forcing corporations to be friendly to the LGBTQ community and to minority groups, and so Corporations are rated now by how diverse they are and how much they are affirming the LGBTQ agenda. And so now major corporations are being driven by profit to side with this woke agenda because they're being rated by it. And the people oftentimes that are, that, are, that are looking at these ratings are billionaires like George Soros, who's called the, uh, the provocateur or the agent of chaos. And so you have billions of dollars funneling into companies and organizations that are pushing the LGBTQ agenda by billionaires who are promoting it. And why are they promoting it? At the end of the day, beloved, it's not a person. It's the devil who's got a strategy. The devil's a mastermind. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he's coming after you. He's coming after me. 
and he's coming after our children. I could keep going on tonight. There's so, there's so, there's so much in me tonight. Um, I, I'm just appealing to you. I'm appealing to you. Don't just watch this and, and move on to something else. You really have a choice. This is so serious. This is such a serious issue. Do you know that human sexuality, the, 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 the bond between a man and a woman in the marriage bed, is the most intimate type of relationship that a human being can experience, experience on the earth? The Bible teaches in the Torah that when a man first uh, had relations with his wife, the words of scripture were, then he knew her. There's something that no one else, you, you, when, when a man and woman come together sexually, they expose themselves to the other in a way that they don't expose themselves to their family, they don't expose themselves to their neighbors, their work associates, nobody else. They only open up and expose themselves that way to their husband or their wife. So human sexuality is the most intimate reflection of our relationship with God. That's why Paul said in the book of Ephesians, I tell you a mystery. A man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Then Paul said, I speak of a mystery, the mystery of the relationship between God and his church, between Christ and you and I. So human sexuality is the most tender, precious expression of relationship in the earth. That's why Satan's going after it. Because he knows how precious and how sacred it is. And unless you and I can rise up and take a stand about this most sensitive issue in our culture today, I don't think there's any hope left. I think, I think, I think we're lost if we won't take a stand on this. Because it just shows how compromised we are. How do you take a stand? I'm going to give you two ways. The first way is going to be practical steps in terms of action steps in the natural realm. And then lastly, what I want to do is I want to tell you what to do in the spirit. So first of all, you can take a stand, beloved, by speaking out wherever you go. Whenever it's appropriate, you speak out. You speak up in your family. You speak up on Facebook. You speak up on social media. When conversations evolve that speak to this issue, you speak up. You speak up and you speak out. As you go, Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. Number two, you vote and take a stand with your dollar. You choose where you're going to shop. And then you speak up and stand up at your school board meetings. Okay, go to, the, go, go to the meetings. You speak up to your children's teachers. You speak up wherever you are. We're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So number one, you speak up with your mouth. You vote by your dollar, and you vote for political candidates. Some of you may be lazy or not voting. I know that there's less of us that are not voting, but there are still plenty that are not voting. I want to tell you, get off your tuchas and vote, because politicians are shifting the course of the social fabric of the world right now. Vote. If you're not registered to vote, vote. Go out and vote. Okay? You can make a difference by your actions. Speak up, speak out, talk to your friends, talk to your neighbors, be a voice. God's given us a tongue to speak. Secondly, beloved, as I close today, what do we do about this tsunami wave of spiritual darkness that we're facing today? We do what Paul told us to do. We put on the armor of God. Paul said our fight is not against flesh and blood but against spiritual forces of darkness and wickedness in heavenly places. And I want to tell you, I have had many supernatural experiences in my life, both from the realm of light and from the realm of darkness, both from God and from the devil. I can tell you point blank as I'm looking at you through this camera lens, I've seen the demon. I've literally seen the demon of homosexuality and I've experienced the power of the demon behind sexual dysphoria and the madness that it's reaping on our culture right now. These are demonic spiritual forces and we need to take a stand and we need to arm ourselves and guard ourselves by the Spirit of God. So let's see what Paul told us to do. He told us our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against forces of spiritual darkness in heavenly places. So what does Paul say? Finally he says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong, be strong in the Lord. Stand up, 
Stand up and arise. Speak out. Speak up. Get busy. Start your morning with the Lord. Start your morning with prayer. Listen to worship music. Praise Him. Get engaged. Get engaged. Get your heart right. Put Him first. Be strong in the Lord. Cultivate Christ Jesus in your heart. Lord, do not bow down to other gods. Don't bow down to fear. Don't bow down to timidity. Don't, make Satan, don't let Satan make you a God. Be strong in the Lord. Finally, Paul says, be strong in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And in the strength of His might. Being a Christian is not for sissies. Being a Christian takes guts, it takes courage. Be strong in the Lord and in the might of His power. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand. Hear what I said? So you'll be able to stand. So you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Be strong in the Lord so you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, Paul said, is not against flesh and blood. I'm reading verse 12 now. But against the rulers. There's a hierarchy in Satan's kingdom. Against the rulers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, Paul continues, take up the full armor of God so you'll be able to resist the evil day. Do you want to resist the evil day? Do you want to resist the forces of darkness that you're in today? Then put on the full armor of God. Stand firm. Stand firm. Arise. Stand up, O Christian soldier. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Truth, beloved one. Gird your loins, Paul said, with truth. Will you listen to what I'm saying? Paul said, if you want to resist the evil day, let me ask you a question. Is today the evil day? When your kids go into the school system with gay pride flags and promoting transgenderism, is this the evil day? When you have corporations going woke, is this the evil day? When, you have, uh, uh, when you're being silenced and deplatformed because you're simply speaking about biblical values, you're being shut out and canceled, it, this is the evil day. So Paul said if you're going to be able to stand firm and resist the powers of darkness in the evil day, he said, listen, gird your loins, listen to what I'm saying, with, hear me, T-R-U-T-H, truth, truth, truth. You and I don't have the right to choose what's true. That was the mistake that Eve made when the serpent tempted her in the garden and said to her, listen, if you eat of the tree, you'll be able to know the difference between good and evil and you'll be like God. She ate of the tree. Now when you and I, now you and I are under the deception that we can choose what's good and what's evil. That we can determine what's true. Beloved, God's word is truth. Gird yourself with God's word, with his truth, and stand in it. And put on the breastplate of righteousness. How do you put on the breastplate of righteousness? Number one, we put on the breastplate of righteousness by believing that the shed blood of Jesus is enough to make us righteous. Anybody that thinks they're unqualified to be forgiven really has pride. They don't realize it, but Satan is filling them with pride because they think that their sin is greater than Jesus' blood to qualify them to be righteous. We stand in righteousness by declaring that the blood of Jesus is enough to make us righteous before God, regardless of who we've been with, what we've done, what we've thought, regardless of our checkered past, the blood of Jesus makes us righteous to stand before a holy God. The book of Ephesians says that you were chosen out of the world to stand holy and blameless before Him in love. We're holy and righteous because of Jesus' love and blood. And the second way, beloved, you put on the breastplate of righteousness is doing your best every day to walk in the fear of God and not sin against Him. Because if you willfully sin against God, if you yield to Satan, you're not going to feel good about yourself. Because it opens up a legal door for Satan to torment us. So you walk and put in the, on the breastplate of righteousness by waking up every day and purposing yourself that you're not going to sin against God with your mouth. 
that you're not going to compromise. And when you live for him with all your strength, with the best of your ability, none of us are perfect, but you're truly striving, you know what? You're going to have a clear conscience and you're going to be able to receive God's love and you're going to know that you're righteous. And that Paul continues, he says, and having shed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, that we're, we're, what does Paul mean that we shed our feet? Get it now. Paul says in the 15th verse, having shed your feet with the with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What does this mean? It means that we're bringing the good news to other people. We're loving people. We're praying for people. We're bringing the good news of the gospel to people that God so loved the world that he wants to have a relationship with you. All you need to do is to come to him and receive him in Jesus' name. Of course, there's a little more than that, but you got the point. And then finally, Paul says here, in addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take up the shield of faith. You believe. Your belief, your confidence. Listen, you can hold your head up without holding your nose up. You can walk with a strong, stiff, tall back without being cocky. You can walk in confidence and still be humble. Paul tells us here to take up the shield of faith. Be confident in the Lord, in who He is. Be proud to stand for Him. Be proud to stand for the truth. Be proud to take a few hits for Jesus. You're sharing in His suffering. What an awesome privilege that you've been chosen, my beloved friend, not only to reign with Jesus according to the written Word of God, but to share in His sufferings. And when you walk in this confidence, you'll be able to extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, Paul says, and you'll have on you the helmet of salvation. You'll walk secure, knowing that you belong to God, that you're His, and that you're going to heaven. And beloved, know this, you've got a sword in life. Even when you speak up and speak out, and it seems like you're having no effect on anybody, believe me, the Spirit of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, and you, my friends, will make a difference. I'm going to be right back. I've got some special news I'm going to share with you in just a few minutes, but um, uh, I want to uh, just prepare you here uh, in just a few moments. Let me, let me look at my notes here just for a moment. Um, I'm going to be bringing up a dear friend of mine, Pastor uh, Matthew Hartman, and he's going to be talking to us about this divine initiative that we're doing here through this ministry to take the rainbow back, to make a difference in the earth. Go to the website, takingtherainbowback.com. You'll see the shirts with the domain name on the back. You can get the tracks, or I love these tracks. What's the rainbow really about? What's really at the end of the rainbow? You know what's at the end of the LGBTQ rainbow? You know what's at the end of that rainbow? A tin can. You know what's the end of God's rainbow following him? The throne of God himself. You're going to meet him in glory. So you'll go to the website, you'll get your t-shirts, you'll get your tracks. We're encouraging you to wear the shirts out in public. It's an opportunity for you to grow. This is an opportunity for you to take courage and grow. It's an opportunity for you to do something and break the spirit of fear off you. And when you do that, you're going to feel so good that you've come against that thing, that you've taken a stand against evil, and you're going to just feel promoted and elevated in your walk with God. This is an opportunity for you to, sh to, to, to face your fears, to challenge the devil, to challenge your fears, to put this shirt on and go in public places with it on. I know it's scary. Believe me, I know it's scary. When I wear the shirt, I have to force myself to wear it. Because people see it and they think one thing sometimes when that's not what you're saying. I know it takes courage. But if you'll do that, you are going to conquer your fears and you're going to be exponentially pro pro uh, promoted in your walk with the Lord, in your life with God, because He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. And so um, I'm going to have my friend Pastor Matthew come up here now, please. And, uh, and uh, we're going to roll a commercial as he's coming up. So he'll be here in just a moment. Take a look at this, uh, this brief promo. When Rabbi said we were going to put a rainbow in the show, I was like, are you sure? 
I was worried people were going to look at us differently and wouldn't understand what we were doing. But as I began to pray, the Lord began to prick at my heart. And I began to realize I was wrong. I had been more influenced by society than God's Word. And I realized I needed to make a shift. I think many of us need to make that shift. We've got to speak out and share the truth of God or there won't be anything left to stand up for. God is calling us to stand up for our children and to stand up for future generations. We need to take the rainbow back. We need to stand up for truth. Visit takingtherainbowback.com today and make a difference. This is my pastor, Pastor Matthew Hartman. Shalom and God bless you, my brother and my friend. Pastor Matthew, uh, Pastor's Lion of Judah World Outreach Center, and he is leading this divine initiative at Lion of Judah. He's going out into public places. He's already done it many times, but he'll be leading a group of people from the congregation July 28th through the 30th downtown at a public place at a very uh, 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 location where there's many, many people, and they'll be wear, they'll all be wearing the Taking the Rainbow Back shirts. They'll be handing out the beautiful tracks to people. They'll be loving people, handing out water bottles, praying for people. It's such a beautiful thing. He's done this many times before, but he's specifically going to be taking the group out on July 28th through the 30th to represent God in the Taking the Rainbow Back movement. Now, Pastor Matthew, tell me, when you went out the first time, because uh, he, he did this one time previously just to get everybody ready and get, get to people's feet wet, tell me about your experience there. It was really amazing, Rabbi. Um, a lot of great encounters. A lot of people are, they're hopeless. So we were just able to bring the hope of the Lord. I know that's one of the things that excite me about this movement, is that this is God's covenant. This is His promise to us and His promise of mercy and not wrath. So, you know, we just were able to love on people, pray with them. And uh, a lot of people, again, they're just, they're hungry to be loved. Amen. Amen. So what we're doing, uh, as you know, Pastor Matthew, we're encouraging people to get the shirts out individually. But on this cumulative action weekend on July 28th through the 30th, we're looking for local fellowship groups, Christian fellowship groups, youth groups, Bible study groups, just groups of friends, even whole churches to go out into public atmospheres and do exactly as you just described. And um, what I'm encouraging people to do that are listening to be speaking right now is to uh, go to our website, takingtherainbowback.com, and register to become a leader. In other words, we're looking for leaders, those like Pastor Matthew, that will bring a group out into public places on this cumulative action weekend, July 28th through the 30th. Maybe it's your Bible study group. Maybe it's a group of Christian friends. You don't even have to have many. You know, even if you have four or five, six, however many, it can grow up to hundreds. But go out in public places. Immediately following this live video that we're doing right now, at 8.30 p.m. tonight, Eastern Standard Time, I'm going to be doing with Pastor Matthew another live training session for those of you that have registered to be leaders. Now, if you're listening right now live and God's inspired you, you want to be a leader, you're going to get a group of people, you want to take them out into public places, I'm going to go on July 29th, which is a Saturday, with you, Pastor Matthew, and your group. If you're inspired right now, God just saying, my son, my daughter, have courage and rise up. You've heard Rabbi Schneider, it's time to rise up and take a stand, like Joshua that said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm encouraging you, inspiring you right now. Go to takingtherainbowback.com, sign up to be a leader, and... Uh, if those of you, that, and you're going to get a link to be able to get you to the next live webcast at 8.30 uh, p.m. tonight. And for those of you that are watching this after the fact, do the same thing. Go to the website, hit the link there that you want to be a leader, that you're going to go with the group. And then what we're going to do is we're going to send you the video to the private live training session that Pastor Matthew and I will be doing here tonight. So here's the instructions, the Be a Leader instructions. Visit takingtherainbowback.com. Scroll down the page to action step number three, part D, and click let us know. Scroll down the page to action step three, part D, and click let us know. Fill out the required form 
and then click and submit it, and you'll receive a follow-up email with links to our live and on-demand training videos that we'll be doing to prepare those of you that are going out in public places. This is Pastor Matthew Hartman and Rabbi Schneider saying to you, we love you. Yavarechecha Yahweh Vishmarecha. Ya'er Yahweh Penave Lecha Vikunecha. Yisa Yahweh Penave Lecha. Ve'asem Lecha Shalom. I love you. And please visit me, takingtherainbowback.com.